Welcome to Leader Fables, a podcast where two lifelong friends and totally obsessed business nerds discuss all things leadership. I'm your host, Casey Clark, and I'm joined by my good friend, Jacob Evans, who is fresh off a trip into the wilderness. Jacob went into the wilderness with nothing but a backpack and no, he is a bougie camper, I think. So Jacob, how bougie was your camping trip? Well, it depends on, um, I mean, bougie is a matter of taste. It's on a spectrum, right? So I'll, I'll tell you what I did and you can tell me how bougie it is. How about that? Okay. Yeah. So we rented a camper, a little teardrop camper. So it has a bed and it has a kitchen. That's it. And we packed in all of our own food. And we went to a place that didn't have any Wi-Fi or cell phone service or anything like that. So I was totally off the grid for a few days. How bougie is that, Casey? It, it It's not as bougie as I would like. And and I have a little bit of reputation for being a bougie traveler, mostly given to me by you. Um, so I could tell you that the deal breakers here for me would be off grid. So I, I want a cell phone reception. If I, I want to be able to call rescue people to come and get me. And I don't know about the teardrop trailer. You've been telling me this is a pretty cool way to do it, but I'm still a little skeptical. It's pretty cool. We love nice. it. It's very nice. My, we took my daughter. This was her first camping trip. And uh-huh. she did tell us one evening. Now, we cooked all of our food over the fire, so that was fun. She had fun by the fire. But she told me one evening, she said, Daddy, I like camping, but I miss the internet. It needs the internet. <laughs> and I looked at my wife and I said, what have we done? <laughs> She's three, right? She's just three. The fact that she knows what the internet is at three years old is probably a sign that she's going to be on my side of the camp. <laughs> maybe, but maybe not the five star side of the camp. Casey's case. Casey stays at five star resorts when he travels. Right. He is That's right. He is the quintessential bougie traveler, I think. Well, you know, I got to be able to pop out my laptop and record a leader fables episode, which I tell you, I am excited and it's a little bittersweet because this is our last episode of season one. Can you, this is our 11th episode. Can you believe this? We made it to 11. I'm, I'm just very happy that we are here. We are still here. We have not killed each other. People have not killed us. <laughs> this is great. We're still here. Yes. And to the tens of you that are still listening, we want to thank you for being loyal uh, listeners. So, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to do something a little different this episode and, this may become a tradition for us. And when we think about how we structure our seasons here is we're going to take some questions that we've received from uh, different folks over the first season where we focused on being a middle manager. Now, being a terrific middle manager, not an average or below average middle manager, but we've we've dived into so many topics during this season. Jacob, what is your favorite topic we've hit so far? I've really liked the episodes where we dug into planning and strategic thinking and, and that sort of stuff. That's stuff that 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 is like that productivity stuff that affects us as leaders and helps us better lead our teams really excites me. That that's been my most excited or most, you know, just favorite uh episodes we've done. Well, my favorite episodes and are clearly the favorite episodes of our listeners have been the interviews that we've done. We did one with uh, Margaret Simonis and MJ. Oh, I can't remember. MJ's Mary Jane Isaacs. Yeah, yeah. Mary Jane Isaacs. Uh, that were just terrific. We actually have some questions. We even got some emails from uh, people who listened who were like, this changed my life and this changed my leadership. No one said that about our episodes, Jacob. No, not yet. I don't know how to feel we're we're waiting, guys. We're waiting. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're on their way. I'm sure they're on their it's way. It's coming. It's coming, man. All right, so we got a list of questions here, and we're going to rapid fire through some of these questions because we tried to uh, weed them down as much as we could, but we still found we have a lot. So, um, Jacob, no rambling here. I'm going to call you out if you ramble during this episode. Touche, and likewise. Don't call me out. No, just you just allow me to ramble. Uh, if only one of us rambles, it'll probably be enough time. Wait, am I rambling right now? Yeah, you are okay. kind of rambling about rambling, so uh, stop that. Goodness. Okay, here we go. Question one. Um, we got lots of comments uh, about the interview with MJ where we talked about, she talked about being a reluctant leader. And can we speak more about the topic of reluctant leadership? And it's funny because I think between me and you, one of us is a reluctant leader. And I think one of us is uh, 
what's the opposite of reluctant and eager an eager leader. leader. Yeah. Yes. So which one are you, Jacob? Oh, I'm definitely on the more reluctant side. Uh, I have been, I, I think it's because my default is to be conflict adverse and leadership requires a measure of conflict, leading people and working with people and having a boss and all that requires some measure of conflict at some point. And uh, that's that's one of the I just like people to like me, like just like me, and and we'll be and we'll be good. Uh, and and you know when you're a leader, you can't please everybody all the time. In fact, you can maybe only please a handful of people at, yeah. at any given time. And and that's one of the reasons why I've been a reluctant leader. Uh, but when I've been asked to lead, uh, I'd have to I I'd think to myself, well, do I want anyone else to do this? And the answer is always a resounding no. So uh, I've always, I, I, I've always, I think, when people have asked me to step up and lead a team, I've always said yes for that reason. That might not be a great reason, by the way. I, I, I don't know. What do you yeah. think, Casey? Is that a good reason? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I guess, better than than other reasons. I don't know. Like, I, you know, I, the, the old classic thing where you know uh, someone who's really good at sales and then the only way for them to grow is to become a leader, right? So they become like a sales manager and then they're a terrible manager, you know, but they're a really good salesperson, but they're a bad manager. Um, I think, you know, we've evolved more in most businesses to give people clear paths in an individual contributor. So I think the wrong reason to do it is when that's the only path and that's the only way you see forward because the leadership skills are different than individual contributor skills. Um, and and I always like being an individual contributor, but I don't know, like the, I get my most reward out of leading a group of people. Uh, I think my primary competency is building teams. And I think um, early in my career, I, I was more reluctant because I didn't think I was had enough talent to be a leader. And this may sound super arrogant, but it, every like rung I have uh, worked in. I would be super intimidated at first by the leaders and then I'd work with them for a couple of months and then I'd be like, Oh, I can do this. <laughs> I, I've had that exact same experience. Like you're like, Oh man, they got all these impressive degrees and they've got yeah. all this experience and I don't have all that. And, yeah. uh, and then you come to find out they're just people like me and you, and they're just trying to figure out how to pay their mortgage and send their kids to school right. and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, it, it is, it's kind of it's kind of refreshing, <laughs> yep. Um, as well as uh, motivating. It's like, no, hey, if these guys can do it, they figured it out. I, I think I can too. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think the other part is I have spent a career benefiting from reluctant leaders, and I think I kind of seek out reluctant leaders. You know, really good individual contributors, and then I see something in their skill. That, or I see that people follow them uh, in formal leadership that that comes out of them. And then I will have a conversation about them becoming a leader. So I think where I am on this spectrum is I like to convince reluctant leaders to become leaders and then benefit from their leadership. And this is leader fables. We like to talk in stories. I can think of I can think of a 10 examples, but a couple off the top of my mind when I was in banking. Uh, I was managing this retail branch and then um, I was getting moved to a different branch and I started talking to my assistant manager. She was already a leader, but I just knew she would be terrific. And uh, she was kind of a little, eh, I don't know. And I, I she's still doing a bang up job at, at that. And then there was uh, where I work now. I remember I had a three hour lunch with uh, what, this individual contributor trying to convince her to take this uh, frontline manager position that I had. She finally did. She has 10 years as an individual contributor, finally took the role and she's dynamite. She's such a good manager. And uh, I was like that three hours that I spent convincing her at lunch was the best thing I did that whole year, probably because we forget sometimes as, as leaders or senior leaders, our job is to, recruit and find talent in people and convince them they can do it. So anyway, that's, that's kind of my that's relationship awesome. with reluctant leaders. How would you tell someone to like, think through this then Jacob, if, cause you've been in this position, like, do they just go for it? Do they, are there ways they can find the right opportunity? Like what's the best. Are you talking about there? like a reluctant leader, like the best ways for a yeah. reluctant leader. Yeah. I think that 
I think that the best way to um, kind of dabble in leadership is, you know, you can raise your hand and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm willing to to try this for a little bit. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, that's okay. And I've, I've told people like, I've worked with reluctant leaders and said, hey, let's just try this as an experiment. We can try put you in an interim role and see how it works and how the team takes to you and how you're able to you know hire and recruit and and nurture people and and let's just see how it goes and if it doesn't go well it's okay you can go back to your old job and you know we'll all be happy or um, you can try this and uh, I think every single time like you Casey that I've asked uh, reluctant leaders to to lead they, they they've taken to it. Um, some people just told me flat out no, and I've had to kind of deal with that. But um, uh, there's there's a few people on my list that I would have really loved to see in uh, in a leadership position that you know just it just never materialized. Yeah, that's I like that. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Right? Is you've tried it and you now you know for sure you don't like it versus right. you know it was just something in your head. So. Anyway, that was uh, feedback from the MJ episode, which I, if you haven't listened to that, go listen to uh, MJ's interview uh, and, and her process of, uh, she called it just putting on the headset and, and getting to work. I really love that analogy. The other uh, one we received a lot of feedback is when we interviewed Margaret, and I had brought up this topic of having a best friend at work. And... Um, in it, I referenced a Gallup study that found that uh, team members who can identify a best friend at work often uh, rank higher in job satisfaction, productivity, even health stuff, right, by, by having a best friend. So we got lots of uh, interest on this. And how do you make a best friend at work? Can it be a direct report? You know, lots of these types of questions. So what do you think about this? I think it's great. I, th- I think my most sort of rewarding seasons at work have been when I've had a good friend uh, to bounce ideas off of or to go to lunch with or uh, to commiserate with at times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I I think it's totally true. And, and it's, it's, I can just look, looking back at my career where I'm at now, I can say with, with confidence that having a friend at work, uh, best friend at work is um, it really does uh, add to and has added to my happiness and my engagement. And, uh, even on the days that I didn't really want to put my pants on and go into work, I knew that, Hey, I've got a friend (laughs) to get me through it. And, uh, that, that's been really, uh, it's been really wonderful. And, and, and and it, like I said, in, in some seasons, it's been motivating to have uh, a friend at work. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Gallup has, uh, proven, um, proven us right. Casey, how about that? Yeah, and I, I hope you put pants on every day you go to work, but that's it. We'll we'll save that no, for No, I would just HR not episode. get out of bed. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. Uh, maybe you're wearing shorts to work. I don't know, speedo, like I don't know what's going on in the IT world, Jacob. It freaks me out a little bit. Crazy things, crazy things. <laughs> I do think uh, it's important as I thought more about this and I thought of, you know, my history and different uh jobs that I've had. I don't think I've ever intentionally sought out someone to be my best friend. It just always kind of happened. Even say best friend makes me feel like I'm five. I don't know. But it's that like the commiserating thing is, I think, a big part of it. And I also think that it's trust, right, that I have people that I trust. And, you know, I have lots of best friends at work. It's not just one person, Um, although there probably are different, you know, hierarchies of this, but it's like just trusting your teammates and knowing that um, if I have a bad day, this person won't think I'm terrible, right? Or they know like, oh, this is the type of thing you want to go to Casey to, right? Or this is the type of thing you want to absolutely keep away from Casey because he's going to screw it up. Like it's, it, it becomes, uh, you know, just cathartic in that we know what each other's strengths are. Now, the question though is like, can this be someone on your team? What do you think about that? Jacob? No. It can't. That <laughs> Wait, is, that, that is was, the answer. That was. Could you be more unequivocal? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I can. No, it cannot be someone on your team. What I've tried to do is seek out uh, peers, uh, people yeah. that are kind of on my same level in terms of like the the org chart or hierarchy in in the business. And I've tried to find people that I can you know chat with, connect with, commiserate with, uh, befriend that are in totally different departments and have totally different skill sets than I do. And I've found those 
having that sort of connection has been really beneficial. It's really helped me uh, see issues and problems and, and opportunities from a very different perspective. Uh, if I were to pick like a software engineer, that's that's my peer, we'd probably think and sound and it'd be kind of a, a very homogenous sort of uh, echo chamber. And I think uh, there's a there's a re- real sort of brilliance and wisdom in uh, finding people in your organization that you can befriend that are totally different in different departments and have different skill sets. Um, one of my very best friends um, at work uh, is a lawyer, and uh, and I'm not a lawyer, and uh, yeah, and it kind of, you know he's like an HR like crazy good nut on all the HR stuff and uh, and legal stuff and. And uh, he's been a, a, a just a really wonderful, you know, sounding board and given great advice and uh, and uh, and and you know, I, I think it's a two way street too. He, he, if you asked him, he'd tell you the same thing. So yeah, find a peer. Yeah, that's great. And I think it's like it's kind of kismet that it happens, but then the work is in not screwing it up right. and cultivating it right and uh, being a good friend, which doesn't mean being a yes person, right? It means helping them see when they're being ridiculous about something right or it's you know it's it's just like the concepts and regular friendship i think so i i think that's a good one the yeah. trick to like getting it started is just asking people to lunch that's all that i did it. it's like just yeah. go ask people to lunch get to know them <laughs> and if there's if you click great if you don't you know that's okay too you'll you, yeah. you at least met a new person and made a connection and and you never know when um having that connection might come in handy again, although they may not be, you know, <laughs> your right. and personality your, matters. Right. You're right. Like it's absolutely, you don't have to want to grab a beer with everyone that you work with, but there are those who you just kind of connect with and it does make life a little, uh, more satisfying at work, uh, to have that. Um, okay. Well, let's go on to our next question here. And it connects to our strategic planning episode, which I think you said was one of your favorites. So I'm going to throw you this question to you first, then, uh, how do I get my boss to include me in strategic planning? We talked so much about don't hand someone a, a strategic plan, right? Like, but what, what if it happened and, and you weren't included? Uh, how do you get your boss to include? Well, me? the first thing I do is I commiserate with my best friend at work and I complain and then I complain some more. And then I go to my mastermind group and I complain some more. And then I go to my wife and complain some more. <laughs> and after I'm done with all of the complaining, like, oh, man, that's why didn't day. they invite that's me? I day. feel so bad. Yeah, that's one day. Maybe. Yeah. May- maybe a little <laughs> Maybe two. Days. So after I do that, after I complain and feel bad for myself and eat worms and all that stuff that comes with having a little pity party, I have a few different pity parties. One with, you know, <laughs> there's a few people that I include in you my, like I invite parties. to my pity. Right, exactly. After I do that... <laughs> My advice is to build a strategic plan. Do that. If you didn't get invited to the meeting, uh, build a plan. And and I can just share wait, like wait 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 build a wait. They gave you a plan. Are you saying build another build plan? another plan? What? This is what Damn I that. did. Yeah, uh, and and it's it's uh so it's funny. I um you know at work we we all go through these sort of budget seasons where we have to uh consider what next year is going to look like and who we're going to hire and what sort of initiatives we're going to get done. We talked about all this sort of stuff uh, in our strategic planning episode. And one year someone just delivered me like the headcount I was going to have the strategic initiatives that I was going to do. And what I did was, is I took that plan and I changed it. I said, these, some of the initiatives were a little off kilter. They weren't they 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 weren't the best strategic initiatives, at least in my view, that we could do. The hiring plan was a little was a little off. So I came up with a new plan and um, and I presented it and uh, it was really wonderful. I got great feedback. I'm like, oh no, this is a great plan. Let's do this plan. Like, great. <laughs> so if you didn't get invited to the meeting, if you're not invited in strategic planning, that should not stop you from thinking strategically and presenting a plan. And the worst thing that can happen is they can shoot it down, but nine times out of ten, I would say you are if you're if you're leading a team, if you're a middle manager, you are in the best position to come up with a strategic plan, and you owe it to yourself and I think the team to at least try to draft that and get it in front of people and 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 get feedback and and hopefully the feedback is positive and you your plan wins. And when you get fired for rewriting the plan, then you go find a boss who will include you in strategic plan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could do that. 
I just get, I actually really like this uh, topic. I've just given you some grief here. I think there's also in that if you've been given a strategic plan, it doesn't frankly matter because every plan breaks where it breaks down is in the execution of the plan. So I don't know that I've ever received a plan or even been part of a plan at a senior level that then has not had to be built out in the execution phase and the risk phase and the, how do we adapt when we're in the middle of this? Because I don't care how good of a strategic planner you are, you're going to get to implementing and you're going to have to ebb and, and flow. And it's very much more jazz than it is classical music in, in working with any kind of team. And so I think that's where you can show your chops is in that, right? Is like, okay, even if I wasn't involved in the, the crafting as I would have liked to be, I'm going to show you my skill in the execution and I'm going to, I'm going to keep good notes and I'm going to be able to, you know, kind of next time be able to clearly articulate what in the plan worked, what in the plan didn't work, never pointing fingers, always, and and always using language that like I was included in our plan in as we are doing this versus the you gave me this and it didn't work. You didn't give me enough resources. I would change that to, you know, we didn't plan enough resources in this. See the language change there. We didn't plan we enough yeah. resources. Yeah, yeah. And man, that's eating some Hubble pie sometimes, especially if you're like, well, if you want to talk to me, I would have given you a, a clear answer here. But I found, um, and there's this old proverb that I always go back to, that it's better to be called forward than it is to announce yourself. And I think this goes into rather than whining and complaining or freaking out about it, that's okay. Let me show you what I can do. And I'm going to get to the point where you want me in these meetings because you've recognized as a frontline leader, as a middle manager, I'm the executor in this. Um, But I think that's how I would approach it. Yeah, that'll definitely happen. If you can demonstrate that you are good at executing, you'll get invited to every strategic planning meeting from here until doomsday. Yeah. You wish you had not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> in all of this. Uh, or I will say the other part is you know, you're, that might be an ineffective strategy that your leader is using. They might not be your leader forever. So just take it there because, you know, I, I think it, it comes out in the wash. I, I really think that, you know, like even if your manager is not ideal, it'll get corrected over time. Or, you know, you might have to decide if, if that's bringing you life or if there's a better role for you, you know, in the future in that. But I think the number one I'm hearing in both of our answers is do not complain about it. Uh, that will not solve the problem. No. It's okay to give feedback, but I, my feedback would be in the, Hey, in our, in our plan, notice the language again. Um, this section felt, I, I think we didn't, we didn't, build this out enough. Uh, I worked with my team on it. Here's what I have. What do you think about this? I think you buried the lead there real quick, Casey. Did I? Uh, yeah. We that, buried the lead, Jacob. You, we buried the lead. Oh, <laughs> oh, touche, my friend. Um, no, I, I, you don't want to do to your team what your leader did in this situation. And, and you just said it like, go back to your team and say, Hey, we mm-hmm. got this plan. How can we make it better? How can we make it better? Yes. And then go to your leader and say, "Hey, this is how we made it better." What do you think? Yeah. So be sure don't 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 be handing people strategic initiatives just like you were handed strategic initiatives. Include them in the right. planning. And and maybe take a moment to reflect. When do I do this to right, people? Right, because right. oh, that was an ouchie. You 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 dug a little dagger in there right at the end too. <laughs> like I know I've done that to people, uh, or I've been like. Uh, I think what will happen is the debate time will be cut short, which I think is my favorite part of strategic planning is, is not the crafting or the ex it's, it's actually the debate that goes on of us trying to figure out. And then eventually you have to move on from that. And sometimes there's some regret that you didn't get to say what you wanted to say, or you didn't, but it's not most strategic plans aren't going to make or break you. Right. It's uh, it's one step to get better. So. That's right. That's right. Man, that was worth the cost of admission right there. Um, But let's go on to uh, some of our other questions here. Uh, Lots of thought around professional development. And I think we have talked a lot about this uh, during the first season. In fact, we've recommended a book in each episode 
And so you should have been reading a book a week. Uh, no, <laughs> but on Audible, you could do the double speed uh, to get <laughs> to get through them quicker. You totally do it that uh, way. Yeah, but uh, I think the the set of it was like, okay, do you know how much I already have to do? How do I find time for professional development? So this is what I do, and I don't. I know I recognize that this might not work for everybody, but I try to carve out an hour a day to read or to learn something new. And it works on most days for me. I, I try to do it in the morning before everyone's, you know, bugging me. And uh, I found it, it it works pretty well. Just take an hour a day to read and uh, try something new or learn a new thing. Um, yeah, give that a go. Yeah, I love that. And if it's not on your calendar, it is not happening. And I'll go back again to the Margaret interview who's like, you know, what you what you're most likely to put off do in the morning. I thought that was such a good pro tip, and you're saying the same thing here. But I I have a, a whenever I talk to people about professional development, I was like, have the first half an hour. You do an hour, your extra credit uh, on your calendar about professional development. Don't do the damn email. Um, mm. Wait for the email. Do the professional development. The other thing I I would mention, uh, just kind of about this topic is, and this is something I found in my own life. As I've gotten older, my desire and appetite to learn new things has diminished. I'm not as hungry to learn new things. And uh, there's a new program I'm learning right now uh, called Vim, and I won't go into that. But it's really bending my brain. It is really challenging me. And there's been a couple of times where I've wanted to just throw out my hands and go, ah, this is for the, you know, this isn't going to work. This is terrible. (laughs) I'm just going to go back to what I'm used to doing. And, uh, and I've tried really hard to resist that because I recognize that as I've aged, my desire and appetite to learn new things and to try new things, um, has diminished. And, and I don't know, that kind of makes me sad in some ways. Um, but I think that as leaders, uh, we can encounter that same trap where we peak and we think we've learned a lot and we've developed some really great skills for leading teams and then we can kind of plateau and just yeah. rely on those skills that we've developed and honed and sometimes that's okay but i think that the best leaders at least the best leaders i've worked for and work with are constantly challenging themselves to learn new skills to get better to um ingest new ideas that are going to kind of challenge them and push them and um help them get better as leaders. Cause we never arrive. I don't think as a leader, yeah. you, you never become a perfect leader. <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. journey. And, uh, and, and the joy hopefully is in the journey and the learning is in the journey. And, uh, our challenge is to just get better and better and better. And, and those of us that, um, have gotten older, <laughs> uh, <laughs> might, uh, <laughs> want to quit. Yeah. I, we talked about, uh, building an A team was one of the books that we recommended. And, in that Whitney Johnston talks about the S curve. And part of the reason why I think you get complacent is you get to the top of that S curve. But when you're in the rapid uh, incline of the S curve, I think professional development is so important because you're you're drowning, right? Like, so you need to find the answer. So you're searching, but yep. if you're complacent, you're comfortable. To your point, you stop. And so I that might be another point too, is like, if you're not, like trying to figure out new things, you might be complacent in your role. You need to figure out a new challenge uh, in what you're doing. But I also think we make this too hard, um, the the professional development thing. And and I was uh, joking that uh, although we recommend a lot of business books, I actually don't read a lot of business books anymore. I listen to podcasts. And part of that is because I can do it while I'm taking a walk. I can do it while I'm doing the dishes, which is like my favorite activity, you know, to, to decompress. I can do it while I'm putting together a Lego set again, Casey's, uh, uh, ways to decompress. And I get to hear what these really smart writers are thinking and processing and even what they're getting wrong versus sometimes in a book, it's so polished and, you know, like, okay, I don't need another example of this, which is what you have to do in a book (laughs) to justify the page count. Uh, But I I think we make this too hard. I think going to conferences, nothing reinvigorates me more when I'm like, like uh, burned out than going to a conference um, or, you know, listening to a good Ted talk or, or things like that. But I just like anything, if you don't do it, you don't get on your calendar, you don't make it a priority, it's not going to happen. Uh, the other thing is 
you need to start talking to others about it. Like if you tell your team, we're going to go through this book together, guess who's going to read that chapter before the meeting? You're going to do it. So that's another way that I've, uh, I've found helps me is to commit myself in other groups to learn. That's right. And on that point, here's a, here's another pro tip. Give your team unlimited resources, unlimited money to buy books. I've done this and it's great. I love it when people take me up on it and, and buy a book and something that they want to learn and something that they're interested in. And uh, yeah, do it. Just give them, give them as much money as, as you can afford to buy books. I love that. And like, it, uh, it's that thing of like, no one likes to be sold to, but everyone likes to shop. You know what I mean? So yep. <laughs> getting to go and just uh, walk around the bookstore, which I am a total Kindle person, but I actually still love looking at the titles and walking uh, around and then usually don't, don't tell Barnes and Noble this, but then I'll actually buy it on Amazon. <laughs> but, but the actual act of walking around a bookstore is, is really cathartic. And I could see how there's even more fun if you're like, Oh, my work is investing in me with this. I'm a finance nerd. And I think the ROI on this is incredible. If a book costs $22 and someone implements one thing that makes them 1% more effective, like uh, it, it's huge. So I love this. I'm going to, I'm advocating for this on my team that we, that we do this and, uh, and that we do it together again, like that, you know, the other point to this, it's great if you're doing it alone, but there's this power in reflecting as a team on a book or a podcast or, and if you want to like knock your team's socks off for your next meeting, here's another meeting tip, like send out an article, send out a podcast to your team. They cost nothing by the way. Although your bill for Leader Fables is in the mail, we would appreciate it if you pay it on please, time. Please, please. Um, send it to your team and be like, hey, listen to this podcast ahead of our meeting. I'd love to talk about it. It 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 sparks something in your team when you do that and when you're the one telling them there's... I remember I did this exercise with my team. Uh, Michael Hyatt, who's one of my favorite leadership writers uh, and productivity writers, has this... One of his podcasts was on fake work. And, you know, it's the things we do that make us feel better, but actually don't move the needle. And I remember I sent this podcast to my team. I'm like, read the or listen or read the transcript ahead of our meeting. When we get together, I want to talk about it. And I had a three hour meeting like no one wanted to get off the call because we were identifying this fake work in our in our routines. And it it was really impactful. So anyway, just a a good tip to that's what you should be doing in your team meetings more than an admin vomit, you know, on top of them. So. Any other thoughts here? No, no, I think we covered it. Yeah. The, the, cool. Just just keep learning and encouraging your team to learn and giving them resources to learn. Uh, we never arrive, guys. We never arrive. Right. And, and realize you're learning what you need for the two years from now, not necessarily what you always need for today. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay. I like this next one. And I think there's an excuse built in the beginning. I'll see if you can call it out, Jacob. Uh, given the great recession currently happening or the great resignation, resignation not recession, yeah. the great resignation currently happening, what are your practices for retaining team members and how do you build connection in a remote setting? Which I think is kind of fun. They might've answered the question in the question, but anyway, I'll, I'll let you take the first stab at this. Well, support is, is key. Uh, I'll say this. I actually have a kind of a funny story. We had a, a, a board member who uh, built a great company in, in Bozeman, Montana. And it was an, it was a software company, engineering led company. And, uh, and he would give me a hard time in board meetings about our retention. He's like, well, you know, in Montana and Bozeman, we were able to achieve 10%. It was about 10%, uh, engineer retention year over year. And, uh, and if you don't know the retention metric that's used in accounting is like really convoluted and stupid. And I won't depend on that, but it's terrible. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. But um, setting that aside here for a moment, I and, and mine was not 10% at the time. And I would, I, I would I would complain. I would commiserate with one of my best friends at work. It's like, not only is this formula really ridiculous, we don't live. We're not working in Bozeman, Montana, where there's like 10 companies or maybe two companies to work for. Uh, Bozeman is beautiful, Jacob. So all you Bozeman people that are mad at Jacob – Please send your email to jacob at leaderfables.com, not casey at leaderfables.com. I'm not throwing shade on people that live in Bozeman. I would love to live there myself, but there aren't that many software companies in Bozeman, and they're like a gajillion uh, here in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
So uh, one of the things I found, uh, just to answer your question, Casey, is this this thing called retention, this thing called uh, keeping folks, uh, keeping talent, retaining talent, it requires a confluence of things. And I, I believe we've talked about many of these things. But Jacob, uh, I just the want to the hack. Po- there is I none. I just want to nope. hack to Sorry. keep people all the time. You can't. There's none. It's not money. <laughs> it's not like how nice you are to them or how you support them or all the team lunches you do. I like. It's a confluence of things. There's not one thing that's right. going to keep anyone in their job for an extended period of time. You, you, I found that I really need to work at this. This is something that requires constant gardening, and it and it's different for everybody. That's the other thing. There's no silver bullet. For a couple of reasons, one is is again, it takes a confluence of things to to keep people happy and, and and engaged and to retain talent. But everyone's different. I have different motivators than you, Casey. Casey needs lots of money. I just need people to like me, <laughs> right? Like we have different motivators. There's different things that. Um, and I, I'm being a little, you know, I'm, joking. I'm sending this email to my boss right now. Exactly. According to Jacob. I'm <laughs> no, we all need different things yeah, and it's true. not any one thing. And, and for certain individuals on our team, we need to emphasize the things that they need and we need to invest in those things. And for other people, it's going to be different things. And that's one of the challenges. And I, I find it to be one of the joys in team leadership is kind of figuring that out. It's a little bit of a puzzle. And um, again, there's not any one yeah. thing you're going to have to figure out it out for your team. We've given some, I think some really great tips on this podcast about how to treat people and um, keep them engaged and, and all that. But there's not, it's not one thing, Casey. Sorry. Yeah. This question is so flawed in multiple ways. Um, and I think the part about connection and remote setting is actually probably the closest thing to a hack is building connection with your team is, is everything. And having a leader who believes in you, that is challenging you, that understands the reality of your life and how that impacts your work. Like those are the things that build loyalty but I think retention's the wrong, to your point, is the wrong metric here because I know some of my greatest satisfaction of a leader is someone gets promoted off of my team and goes and surpasses me, you know, and and does uh, big things. And it may be in a different department. It might, they might become my boss. Like, and that's actually the criteria I use for senior leadership is like, would, or for any leadership is, would I want to work for this person? Would I be mad if I got put on this person's team or would I be inspired And so I think that's the thing. Now I am all about like someone's, you know, satisfaction in, in what they do. I'm not about that for the sake of retaining them. Um, and, and now there are unhealthy retention issues, right? Where people are leaving because of leadership. And in that case, there are things to address there and how you're treating people. But I think that the better question here is if someone's getting a better gig, um, You should be happy for them. You should applaud them. You should celebrate them. You should connect to the parts of the job that, you know, help them get that, how you help prepare them uh, for that new challenge um, there. But if someone gets promoted to a similar job or just hops companies to do the same thing, then you should do some introspection on your habits. Now, as far as the remote setting goes, because that was the second part, this is my world. Uh, I lead remote teams. Uh, there are a couple tricks of the trade, again, that go back to building connection, I think. When you have a remote team member, you have to budget more time for rapport building. Uh, I think about 10% of every meeting should be spent just talking about what's happening in people's lives and their days. And uh, I've had some team members, I'll be really frank, that find this very annoying about leadership with me. I want to know about your kids. I want to know about your dog. Like, we're going to have those conversations um, and not just get right to work and right to business. And there is some leadership out there right now that is advocating for this, like that meeting should have no kind of, I'm doing air quotes that you can't see, but Jacob can see no, no kind of fluff built in or relational time built in. I think that's a huge miss, um, especially in a remote setting. The second in, and again, there's some, some stuff out there pushing against this that I totally disagree with is you should be on camera every time you talk to someone. Um, and I can tell you people don't like this, <laughs> but it is, it's like, if I was in a conversation with you face to face and I turn my back to you, like, it, you know, it's, it's the same thing to me. So, uh, be on camera. You need to see facial 
expressions. You need to see body language in communications. I, I do believe in Zoom fatigue. I think that's real, and I know that's what's out there right now. But that might mean you're having too many meetings, not that you shouldn't be present in the meetings that you are having if they're the right ones. And my last tip, have fun. Like uh, I think sometimes that gets cut out of what we do. Uh, I love in a meeting to pull a random pop quiz. Uh, I got a gift card for who knows, you know, like just if you can lighten that up a little bit, sometimes just the zoom two dimension makes people get too serious, I think, but th- just a couple thoughts from me. Oh, that's th- those are some great pro tips. I think, um, you, uh, <laughs> might've buried the lead again there, Casey. Dang what, it. I know. Right. Um, one of the things you touched on was, working to see the best in people. And sometimes that means they, they get off, they move off your team and they go somewhere else. And there've been a number of times when someone has not only left my team, but they've left the company and I've wanted to like, just lose myself, like just lose it. (laughs) Like I was so angry. I wanted to tell them how angry I was like, why are you leaving? This is the dumbest decision you've ever made. Um, and I'm the best boss ever. Why don't you see that? You know, this sort of thing. <laughs> I'm being a little facetious, but I was angry. Like, I'm like, they're making a dumb decision. Why are they leaving? This yeah. is so dumb. One of the things I learned early on is that you have to, as leaders, we have to value the relationship more than the situation. Right. And I have worked really hard, and it sounds like you have too, to send people off with grace and uh, congratulations and I found this is cra- this crazy thing has happened to me. I don't know if this has happened to you, Casey. I've had people leave leave the company and come back a few months later and say, you know, oh. that didn't really work out. <laughs> well, that's that's what the research of the Great Resignation is showing that a lot of people actually regret making these moves. And so, if it truly, is a high performer and you have a position. Let's let's open our arms, right? And I think the other part, and I think sometimes the annoyance of onboarding a new person and training them gets in the way of like, whenever a spot opens up on your team, it is an amazing opportunity for you to look at the skills that you have, how your team is performing and do a gap analysis of what you need on your team. And, and I hate to say this, everyone's replaceable. I'm replaceable. Jacob, you're replaceable. I'm so not. Lies. You are, my friend. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> we'll have a new host on Leader Fables next week. Oh, no. no. I'm getting we, fired, guys, right now. <laughs> We're not replaceable as human beings, but the function we do at a company, if you've built a company around someone not being replaceable, you've done a very bad thing. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Even yourself. Yourself. We should be replaceable. Like if exactly. We're, if we're so critical to the business and we're not replaceable, oh, man, like you've done the business a disservice. You've done everyone on your team a disservice. Right. And so I think if we can reframe when someone leaves, it now becomes an opportunity to strengthen the team at that point. Now we're going to grieve them. We're going to miss them, you know, but at that point, let's make this a collaborative process of who we're going to bring in and what, you know, how we can make our team more diverse, you know, both in, in makeup and thought, right. And in background and, you know, sometimes it opens up an opportunity for someone who's really been working hard to, you know, get onto your team. And so I just, I think sometimes we just have to hold our hand open, right. With people. Uh, and again, it it can't be like a merry-go-round come and go as you please, but I I think we freak out too much about this, uh, when someone leaves our team. So absolutely. I, I know I've fallen into that trap many times and, and, uh, fortunately my, I, I haven't overreacted. I've wanted to, but I haven't. Um, <laughs> and it, and that that's served me well, I think. Yep. And that's, that's over overreact to your best friend at work that your mastermind group yes, that do we that. talked earlier. Then come back to your team and portray confidence in your ability to <laughs> replace the person and, and still meet your goals. And you never know; okay. they may come back. Yeah, that happens too. They might, and then then you can mock them mercilessly <laughs> for leaving. No, that's a bad leadership. Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Okay, two more questions here, Jacob. Uh, this one I think is really fun, and it's one of my favorite questions to ask people. And just a, a hint: if you ever get an interview with me to be on my team, I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, what are you reading right now, Jacob? What is what's what's on your Kindle? Uh, what's in audible, your Audible queue right now? Well, I have quite a few books that I'm reading right now. Uh, one is The Extended Mind: The Power of Thinking Outside the Brain. I'm reading the Ooh, last uh, James S. A. Corey uh, fiction book. 
in the uh, the Expanse series. I'm I'm about a quarter of the way through that. I'm drink. Uh, I'm reading also Drunk Tank Pink, which are these <laughs> interesting sort of essays about these crazy things that don't make any sense, but they but they do. Uh, I'm reading Time Management for Mortals. Um, one damn thing after another. That's kind of an interesting book about the Trump White House. Um, yeah, so I'm reading lots of things. I bounce around, Casey. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Renaissance man. How about you? Well, I want to start by saying that you're absolutely wrong in your approach to reading, and I would like you to correct it immediately. Uh, I'll take it under advisement. Under advisement. <laughs> No, I have this debate with lots of people in my life, including my wife, who reads like 17 books at one time. And if she, if a book gets boring, she just like stops reading it. That is so foreign to my achiever brain that if I start a book, I must finish it no matter how terrible it actually is. Uh, do, do you struggle with that? Or are you good putting a book nope, down? No, I'm good with putting a book down. It's like, nope, I, I got what I needed out of that. I, I do not need to finish it. Um, there's a number oh. of books that I'm, I'm just looking at here that I didn't finish because either it got boring or it was stuff I already knew about, or, uh, there was another book that looked more interesting. So yeah. Jacob, I just don't think we can be friends anymore. This is the end of the leader fables podcast. Uh, no, I, I know people have different approaches. I have a debate with someone at my work because, uh, students, you know, at, at, at the university I work at can work on multiple classes or they can work on one at a time. And I am insistent that the right approach is to work on one course till it's done. And she is, this is Margaret that we interviewed, by the way, is very insistent that it's okay to work on multiple courses at a time. We have this ongoing debate. So I have two books that I'm reading at all times, one fiction, one nonfiction. This is Casey's nerd brain. Uh, the fiction book I'm reading is uh, Fall of Giants by Ken Follett. And uh, this, this is a cool trilogy of it, it's a family. It goes uh, through multiple generations with the same like four families and how they interact through World War One, World War II. Uh, you know, it, it, anyway, it's, it's a really fun book. It's three books. And I think I'm on, I'm on the last so one. This is now. historical so fiction. Yes. Historical fiction. Cool. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. And I read this... Uh, exclusively right before I go to bed because it helps power down my, that's you know, or on a Saturday or Sunday, uh, if I want to read, uh, the, the nonfiction book I'm reading, which was recommended to me by my boss pro tip. If your boss recommends a book, read the book. I can't tell you how many people do not use this pro tip and should, but I'm a huge Lego fan and I can't believe I'd never heard of this book, but it's called brick by brick. And it's the subtitle is how Lego rewrote the rules of innovation and created the global toy industry. And so I didn't know like Lego almost went out of business and its employees were really the ones who saved it. So there's this cool background of this thing that I love to do. If you saw my webcam right now, you can see all these Lego sets completed. I just started the Coliseum, which wow. is this giant Lego set. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm excited about that book. That's awesome. Yeah. Jacob, just, I'm going to forgive you for reading multiple books at once. ABR, always be, up reading. On books. always be reading. <laughs> always be reading. Always right. be reading. Okay, here's a final question, Jacob. Uh, what is next for Leader Fables? Now, not most podcasts have seasons. You guys have seasons? Well, that's what a great, is going on? That's a great question, Casey. I mean, I just got fired, so uh, <laughs> tell us what's next on Leader Fables. I'm, well, I, I, now, one. as an avid listener, I want to know. A new well, avid step, listener. Step one, I need to find a new co-host. Uh, <laughs> that's really I guess I could do a monologue. Probably be less interesting. No, I, we do have some fun stuff planned, and uh, we are going to take a couple weeks off because we believe in reflection, and we believe in not working until we die. And I'll be honest, like we started this first season way ahead. We are recording this podcast to release tomorrow. <laughs> so This is hot uh, off the presses, folks. Yes. Casey and Jacob need a couple weeks to regroup uh, and get ready for season two because we are so excited about the topic, which is we are really going to dive into planning and reflection and the rhythms that go with that. So we're going to have an episode on weekly planning, daily planning, quarterly planning, annual planning, setting goals, like all these things. And and we did like, I, I think you got a little tasting menu of this in, in, uh, in uh, season one, but in season two, we are going to unpack this thing and even have some cool resources uh, to help you be able to to do this and kind of have a 
uh, a system that we're going to advocate for. And we're going to break down some other systems that are out there that we've used, we've tried, have worked, have not worked. Uh, so we're going to take a couple weeks off and we'll be back July 12th uh, to uh, two with our first episode for season two. Yeah, I'm very excited about season two. I love the topic of planning and productivity. I think one of the goals that we've set for the second season is to be radically transparent and kind of our own process and how we've thought about these things and things we've tried that haven't worked. And we're going to do our very best to kind of interweave story and uh, probably a good measure of failure that Casey and I have experienced um, working to be more productive and more effective leaders. Uh, I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be uh, a really great season and uh, I'm, 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 Kind of excited and terrified because we're again we're going to be kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit on how we work, and uh, I I'm I'm very hopeful that um, you folks you know our great listeners will get get quite a bit out of this next season. Yes, come and learn from our pain. That's right. That's right. <laughs> learn from success. our mistakes. That's right. <laughs> that is the best way I think to to learn. But but we'll uh, we're also super nerds on this. Uh, this is probably an area that we have mutual passion in. So I, I feel like we're gonna have some good debates here, Jacob. And I'll be able to fix you, uh, like I fixed your book reading practices today. We'll be able to do that <laughs> well, for your, your um, planning as well. I'll just let you keep thinking that. <laughs> awesome. Likewise, well, my friend. I likewise. Yes, this exactly. is going to yeah, be good. Actually, I, I think I implement more Jacob's stuff than he implements mine. Uh, I think I've talked about that on the podcast too. So uh, we'll also have some more interviews from uh, leaders. Uh, we really like that process. Um, so if you're a leader out there and you're like, hey, I have some stuff to say, shoot us a, an email and uh, we'll tell you no. Feedback no, at leaderfables.com. <laughs> yeah, and you we might, might, we might say, say no. Who knows? Might say no. Might say yes. Uh, might like say, if you pay us enough, we'll put you on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we didn't do a book recommendation, uh, this episode, but you can, uh, listen back. You can kind of see Jacob and my Mount Rushmore of leadership books, the ones we love. We told you what we were reading today, which you can pick up, uh, via audible. If you go to leaderfables.com backslash audible, you'll even get a, a 30 day free trial, um, on there. I think it's like tens of thousands of uh, books and uh, podcasts and and different things, even even newspapers they have on there, Jacob. I don't know if you've seen that. Like you can get the Harvard Business Review on there. And uh, there's there's some really cool stuff that they have on there that you can check out. So leaderfables.com backslash audible. And also on our website, uh, there's a Stuff We Like page uh, that has a bunch of Amazon links that if you Click on order there. We get pennies back. Uh, but if enough people do it, it helps this labor of love uh, continue on to uh, future seasons. Uh, Jacob, any any final thoughts for the group today? No, I don't think so. Go, go, go pick up a book. Learn a bit. Empower your team to go pick up books and learn a bit. And uh, we'll yeah. see you next season on Labor Pables. It's going to be great. Yeah, and take a break. Like we're going to take a break. Take That's a vacation. Right. Go somewhere fun. Uh, thanks for joining us again for Leader Fables. We'll see you next time. Until then, lead on. Lead on. <laughs>